so glad y'all are worshiping with us this morning. Psalm 30, 11, 12 perfectly encapsulates one of the multitude of reasons why we worship God. It reads, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing, and you have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever.
It wasn't that long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disbelief and disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose His temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, He embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all of this on His own with no help from us. Then He picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company and union with Jesus our Messiah. Now God has us right where He wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all His idea and all His work. And all we do is trust Him enough to let Him do it. Father, we bless You and we thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank You that You gave us an overwhelming Savior. We rejoice in Him. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, we glorify You with everything we are, with everything we have, with everything we are going to be, thanks to Your grace. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated.
Good morning, church family. If this is your first time visiting with us in person or online, welcome. We are so glad that you decided to worship with us today. Here at New Covenant Church, we invite all people in the communities where we live to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ. You can learn more about NCC, become part of our church family, or join our volunteer team by going through our Connect classes online or by attending one of the upcoming in-person classes. If you would like to bless what God is doing through the ministries at NCC with your tithes and offerings, you can use the offering boxes or give online at newcovenantlampasses.com. Now, if you have any questions about what's going on at NCC, I want more information on how to get connected. Please stop by the hub desk after the service. Again, we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. Now let's open and prepare our hearts for the word. Good morning. We are so glad that you're with us this morning for worship. Excited to be here, as always. Uh, Candy and I went yesterday to uh, a cross-country meet. Uh, I don't know if we grew, we, for the last few years, um, probably like six or seven years, have been going to cross-country meets with our oldest daughter, Abby, uh, and one of well, multiple kids in, in the church and community uh, are involved in cross-country. So we went to Marble Falls yesterday to support our uh, high school and middle school kids in, in that race. And uh, something stood out to me as we, were, we came in uh, after some of the other races had completed. And as we were walking up for that race, the announcer was talking about the last race and the results and, and those things that he was going pretty monotone. And, uh, and then he just said, uh, he was like, and congratulations to this school who won first place. And this was his response. Yay. And then he just, he kept, he kept going. But like, that was, that was the whole, I mean, everything he was doing, everything he was saying was at that. And I was like, man, they could really use Zach Huckabee um, <laughs> up here to be doing their announcements. Um, but it made me think of this morning's message. That's how exciting, it, <laughs> how exciting this is. I think the response most of the time to the topic we're talking about this morning, uh, not, it, it's split. I'd say it's a split decision. There's two responses. There is either really an enthusiastic uh, cheerful, excited, yay, because they know what it means and what it's about. And if, if you're not in that category, the other one is yay. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about already, I, I think most of you do, uh, we're going to talk about stewardship this morning. And that includes giving. And like I said, that's one of those like, oh boy. Um, I, I joke all the time that pretty much every week we have people that come for the first time. And so I'm like, anytime we have a message on giving, which isn't, we honestly need to do it more frequent. It's, it's probably about once a year. But uh, I think, oh, they're gonna, they come and they're like, see, they always talk about giving. I haven't been to church in eight years and they're talking about giving. Um, <laughs> it just, it works that way. So for whatever reason, God wanted you to hear this message. Um, and I just want to ask your, um, just take a moment to wait until the end of the message to judge it. Hear the whole thing. Because we're really talking about this word stewardship. Not just giving, not just tithing. Stewardship is, it covers all areas. It covers our finances. It covers our time. It covers the giftings that God has blessed us with. Um, so it is a broader topic. It's not just on that, but it certainly includes that. So like I said, withhold your judgment until the end and then judge away. Um, so we're going to start out by looking at the word stewardship. The, 
I think if I just asked you the question, what does this word mean, most of us would probably, because it's not a word outside of church or, you know, an airline stewardess or, you know, there's a few places that we have that word in our, in our vocabulary still, but it's really not that common of a word. And I think if we were to give a definition ourselves, we would probably all say something like, well, it's like a manager, you're managing stuff. But there's something very distinct and unique about the word steward, especially when it comes to the word of God that, that I want us, if, if you walk away with nothing else this morning, walk away with this. Stewardship is the management of a household or of household affairs, specifically the management, oversight, and administration of others' property. You can't be a steward if you're managing what's yours. A steward only manages what doesn't belong to them. And so, and, and, and really we'll see in just a moment, we think we have some things, that we own some things, but we really don't. Uh, who's, who, you know, that, that old saying, who, who's driving uh, the hearse with a U-Haul? You know, when we're done, we're done. You know, we don't take, you know, we might think we owned it. Well, it all goes to somebody else. That was Ecclesiastes. That was uh, what, what King Solomon learned. He's like, it's all <laughs> vanity because all this that I've done, it's going to all go to somebody else. My life's only going to last so long. Um, so, so he realized that no matter how wealthy he got, he was only a steward for a period of time. So we're going to look at Genesis 1, the very, very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, 28. It says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Very beginning of the word of God, literally the first chapter after God has created man and woman, the very first thing that he tasks them with is to steward. He didn't give them ownership. He said, take care of it. Take care of the land. Take care of the animals. Take care of the vegetation. Steward what you've been placed over, what you are taking care of. He didn't give them ownership. Everything belongs to God. There's one specific verse we're going to look at that makes this principle very clear. Uh, We don't have time, but there's many other verses throughout the Bible that make this same principle clear. We're just going to look at Psalm 24.1. It says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. That's pretty encompassing, right? Okay, so if you can find something that doesn't fall in that category, you can own it. The whole earth, everything in it, and all those who dwell in it. All gods. That's everything. Even us. We belong to him. But in every area of what we're going to talk about in stewardship, God lets us decide. He gives us the freedom. He gives us the freedom over our own soul. Uh, I love what Dallas Willard says. No one will be in heaven who doesn't want to be there. God's not going to force a single one. You have to choose to follow him. We have to steward our soul to God. We have to seek him, walk toward him. That's our responsibility as a steward of ourself. We belong to him, but he's given it to us to steward. So God put a principle in place 
from the very beginning to remind us that everything belongs to him and to help us practice good stewardship. And like I said, this goes beyond resources. This goes beyond our talents and giftings, even time. Basically everything we're called to be stewards. And next week we're going to really talk about the giftings, our talents, abilities that God has given us and that we have to steward those the same way. This morning the focus will primarily be on on what he's blessed us with and also our time. But in Leviticus 27.30, God said this, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. Who does it belong to? It's God's. So we just read in Psalm, everything's his. 100% of everything, including us. But God said, I've set aside a tithe, and that word just means 10%. And throughout the scripture, you'll find it in many places um, referring to that, it, it, whether it was the first of the flock, whether it was you, the, the grain of the field, whatever it was, that talks about both of those things. Any increase, the first of your increase, that's the tithe. That first 10% of the increase goes to God. And it's not because he needs it, because it's all his. It's to remind us that it's all his, to remind us that we can trust him with it, that he can bless what's left, that he's going to take care of us, that truly it is only him that is ever taking care of us. You wouldn't be alive in this moment if he wasn't giving you the breath you just breathed. At the moment your life is done, that's when he stops giving that to us and we're done. So literally everything, everything We owe to him, 100%. But he says, set aside the tithe, the 10%, so that you can remember that it's all mine and so that you can show that you have faith that I'm the one taking care of you, not yourself. Because it's so easy for us to think that we can take care of ourselves. And over and over and over for the nation of Israel, for individuals, you could probably have countless examples in your own life of people that you know that got to a point and they think they're okay and they say, you know what? I don't need God anymore because I can take care of myself. When you have the principle of tithing in your life, you won't get to that place, no matter how much he blesses you with, because you know it belongs to him, all of it. And we are just stewards taking care of it. Malachi 3, 6 through 12 God says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. That's a good one, isn't it? (laughs) If he did change, we'd be consumed. I think a month or so ago, I said, I I really am. So if I were God, I would have consumed me. Long time ago, I would have ran out of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And you know what? I give up on that guy. But because he doesn't change, by his grace, by his mercy, we are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Let me just say real quick, and we'll get to it a little bit more in a moment, but a lot of people will be like, well, tithing and that kind of stuff was Old Testament. We're not under that anymore. Well, I just want to point out, here they were, no question, under it, Old Testament, they still weren't doing it. They didn't follow it. God had still given them clear words, and they weren't doing it, and that's what God's talking here. And so in verse 8, God says, Will man rob God? 
yet you are robbing me. And so then he's saying, but you're asking me the question, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? And most of your Bibles probably says offerings for that word. So in your tithes and offerings, the tithe, like I already explained, is the 10% offering is above and beyond the tithe. So sometimes people may say, oh, I gave an offering at church, and you may have. But if you haven't tithed first, you can't give an offering. An offering, by definition, is above and beyond the tithe. So when you've given your 10%, if you give a dollar more, that's an offering. Let's say you gave $1, you didn't give an offering, you gave a very small point percent of your tithe. And until you get up to the tithe, you haven't met what God said is the part that belongs to me, that he has set aside for himself so that we would keep this principle in mind. Verse 9, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. You've probably heard of this before, many of you have, that this literally is the only place in Scripture where God says, put me to the test, if I will not provide for you, if you follow my commands. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God is our guarantor. He's literally guaranteeing this. He says, I will be with you and I will take care of you. We're not talking about um, prosperity gospel here. I'm not saying you give $10, you're going to get $100. we will talk about that a little more in a moment too. Um, we're literally just returning what belongs to God to him. And he says, if you do it, I'll take care of you. You can trust me. Verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So God said they were robbing him and withholding him of what belonged to him because they weren't giving their tithes and and offerings. And like I said, we owe everything to him. Everything's his. Stewardship is us taking care of what belongs to him. And the one clear thing he tells us about the stewardship is I'm giving you all this, including your life, yourself, your soul. I require the tithe. Give me that back and then trust me for everything else. And we get to decide, like I said a moment ago, it, he's not going to take it. You're not going to just see a direct withdrawal like the bank does or, or your credit card company and say, oh, wait, oh, yeah, God took it. He's not going to do it. He will never take it from you. But he says, if you steward the way I've called you to, you will do it on your own. And Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, if we will honor the Lord with our wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, all of these scriptures that we've read so far were in the Old Testament. As I mentioned a minute ago, a lot of people would say, well, that's Old Testament stuff. We're, that was under the law. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. Um, and so we don't, and that is, amen, we are. And that's good. But that didn't change this principle. And I want to show you uh, here in the New Testament, uh, Jesus had a different perspective. So Jesus in Luke 6, 37 through 38 said these words, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. 
We're going to come back to that scripture in just a moment. We're going to look at another. It won't be up on the screen, but there's a passage in Matthew chapter 23 that you may be familiar with. And it's actually in this area of scripture, I believe, um, where Jesus was also taught. Actually, that may be a little earlier, but Jesus, there's a passage in scripture where he says, um, you know, the law said, do not commit adultery. But then he says, I say, if you look on a woman and lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. So if we want to start comparing Old Testament to New Testament, what Jesus did and what we're about to read and see, he raised the bar. He didn't lower it. He raised it and said, yeah, it said don't murder somebody. But I say, if you hate your brother in your heart, then you're in danger of being judged. So again, he raised the level. So in Matthew 23, Jesus talks about tithing. And he says, you guys are tithing down to the minuscule level on mint and cumin and dill and like making sure you're not missing it anywhere. Basically saying like, yeah, you made a thousand, you tithed a hundred. But basically he's saying you made 50 cents over here and you're making sure you get the nickel in. And he's like, you know what? That's fantastic. But there's some other stuff. It's called justice mercy and faith and you're failing miserably there and he says don't stop doing the other he basically Jesus is saying keep tithing that's right God still expects that that's still his but don't neglect justice mercy and faith and that if you want to read all that yourself Matthew 23 we're going to look back though at Luke 6 37 through 38 again keep that in mind Jesus said don't stop tithing but don't neglect justice, mercy, and faith. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. What does that sound like? Justice. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Mercy. And this one may not seem like it, but when we think about it, give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I think that's talking about faith. He's saying, trust God. Trust God with your resources. Trust God with your tithe. Show that you have faith, because that really is what, from Old Testament to New Testament, what God was saying is, what is the condition of your heart? And is the condition of your heart, I got to take care of myself. And the only way I can guarantee that is if I keep it all. And so my stewardship is going to be all about me. I'm going to keep it all because I need it all. And, and whether you think it or not, if that is your attitude, you're saying in your heart, I can't trust God. Because if I were to give it to him, he might not be faithful. He might not take care of me. Well, guess what? None of it's ours. None of it. All of it's his. He could take it all in a moment, including our breath. It's his grace and mercy and justice. And what Jesus is saying in those passages is, is be generous in every area. Because when I think of justice, I don't think of judge not and you will be, not be judged or condemn not, and you will not be condemned. When I think of justice, I think of somebody getting what they deserve. Am I the only one? (laughs) 
Really, I mean, like, who thinks of justice and then says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Mercy, forgive, and you will be forgiven. Jesus is saying, be generous with your forgiveness. Be generous with your justice. Be generous with your faith. Trust God that he's going to take care of you and follow his word. Steward the way that he's called you to steward. I had a conversation a, a couple months ago with a group of pastors, and it was, we, they asked us a very interesting question. They said, what motivated you to start giving? And if you currently give, ask yourself that question. What motivated you to start giving? Whether that was a year ago, 50 years ago, whenever it was, what was the original thing that motivated you to give? And then the next question is, what motivates you today? And so the interesting thing, we had there was over 10 pastors, so I would say 90-plus percent had the same answer. One pastor had a different answer. So the 90-plus percent answer, including myself, was obedience. We started out of obedience. I started out of obedience to my mother and father. Like from the first nickel I got, you know, or dime I got, a penny went in. The first dollar I got, a dime went in. And it was just obedience. Like they just raised me that way. And the first time I got a, whether it was a job working for someone or, or my true job, I just tithed. Like I had no other mindset. I knew that belonged to God. My parents had trained me and taught me that way and always, always have done it. And that was everybody else's. Uh, well, almost all of them was obedience as well. Same thing. Either they were taught that or when they came into a church and they heard these scriptures that were reading, they're like, man, that's what God's saying. I got to do it. I'll do it. At, not because my heart's there, not because I want to, but I'm going to do it at least out of obedience. The one, the one um, uh, holdout <laughs> among the pastors, his was like, I'll be honest. I was at a church where they said if I gave, it was going to be multiplied. And I was going to get it back. Like, I give a dollar, I get 10, you know. You know, put your offering in and go buy some lottery tickets. It's coming back, you know. Um, and so, and he was honest, but he had the same response. His motivation wasn't that today. God changed his heart over time. So a lot of times we start out with something in obedience, but where we end up, God gets us where we need to be, whether or not we started out with the right heart or not. So in my life, uh, we grew up not a lot of resources. I mean, really, we would have been poverty-level income, could have always been on uh, government assistance, that kind of thing. We really never were, but absolutely qualified. Um, I grew up thinking hand-me-downs of hand-me-downs of hand-me-downs was just how everybody lived. You know, my my brother got my cousin's hand-me-downs, and I got my brother's. And it, I mean, I didn't know I had clothes. You know, I was I was good, <laughs> you know as a kid, but through all that time, my parents tithed. They were always tithers from the very point my father became a Christian and my mother grew up in the faith. So they weren't tithing from abundance. They were tithing because they knew that was what you did, and God always took care of us. So by no means am I saying that taking care of is you're going to get rich. That's not, it has nothing to do with that. It's we're called to steward what God has given us, whatever that amount is. And the first thing that he says about our stewardship when it comes to finances is the first part's mine. It belongs to me. Acknowledge that and I will be with you in everything else. 
So I did that through, throughout my life. I was uh, 20, I think, when Candy and I met. Uh, when Candy and I met, she had never tithed. And she had just been uh, come to the faith within probably a year uh, and grown up in the church but just hadn't committed her life. And her family didn't, they, they really hadn't tithed or anything like that. It'd be, you know, maybe drop a 20 in once every while, you know, and that, that just was how she grew up. And so while we were, uh, after we were engaged and talking about that, I was like, well, um, I just want to make sure, you know, you know what tithing is. We've got to do this. And I was, I was ready for, like, you're asking me to give 10% of my income that I've never given. And, but the total opposite was her response. She was just like, I'm in. And uh, then it flipped because I was all okay with that. I'd gr- grown up tithing. She started wanting to give offerings, <laughs> She started to to give above and beyond. And I was kind of like this at that point. I was like, yeah, I know that 10% belongs to God. The other he says you can do if you want to. And I don't want to. <laughs> I was like that. I've, I trust him. I trust him with what's his. You know? And so I had to start like just prying open my hand to say, okay, we're going to start giving some offerings. And we've been married 25 years. God's changed my heart from obedience to that. And we'll see the scripture in just a second of being a cheerful giver in my life she there's no amount I know that I could give to Candy that says hey I feel like we we're supposed to give this she'd be like give it and over 20 years we're now over 20 percent of our income and I don't say that it's not it's just where God's taken us like I said I was anything over 10 I was holding on to but slowly and so and and I didn't tell this to the first service, but I was trying to think like, how did we get here? Like, how did like how did what what happened, God? Why why are we giving this much? And here's the reason: it, it came to while we were worshiping. Once we started giving an amount, candy wouldn't let us come back down. Like I and I mean it's not it wasn't like a fight or an argument or anything like that. But like if we did a special offering or a special you know we prayed about a special gift or whatever and started giving an extra amount a month and it was a, for a special occasion. At the end of that, I was like, okay, let's bring it back down. And she was like, why would we do that? We're okay. Like, and and I was like, well, I guess so. I guess you know I guess we'll keep I'll keep doing it. And, and so we, I mean, this just happened over and over 25 years, and now here we are. Um, when we started the Generations Campaign for the NCC West Building, we prayed and we, had, we asked the whole congregation to pray about what God would have you to give. That was another one of those where we were like, we're going to give an extra amount for the Generations Campaign. And just to clear up some confusion, we call our children's ministry through youth and even college generations ministries, but we also have a fund called Generations, which is where we saved up for well, even the previous building, when they added the, the daycare, the sides in the front, when we did NCC West, when we... Um, remodel the sanctuary. When I got here eight years ago, we were in almost $400,000 of debt. God paid off all that debt through the generosity of the congregation. We built NCC West in cash, and this remodel was done in cash. We are a church with zero debt. And that, and yeah, praise the Lord. That, that all goes to him providing. We can't do that. He can't. But the only way it happens is when his people do what they've been called to do. And so if you've, if you've never given here, this, like, again, it's, we're not trying to guilt anybody or anything, but, like, we would not be here 
if 30 plus years ago, a group of people who felt called by God to do a ministry in this community weren't giving. We wouldn't be here this morning if that wasn't continuing to happen. We won't be here tomorrow if the body decides we're not going to support the ministry that God's doing. It only happens when people contribute. So like I said, when, when we did that contribution for generations, that was another one of those instances where when we got done and it was built, I went to Ken and I was like, okay, <laughs> like we can, we can stop that one now. And she's like, why would we do that? And I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> but again, my heart changed. And what I realized is, What I said last Sunday, God is not done with what he's doing in this community or in this body. There's, when when we finished that, we knew this was coming. This is done, and we know what God's calling us to, and we're going to talk about a couple things of the visions that God's giving us for the future. But we, you may not have put seeds in what has been done, but you can put seeds in what's going to be done for the future. This room hadn't been remodeled in like 20 plus years. This is going to last for another 20 years. The, the people who put seeds in what was done here are going to be blessed by what God does in countless lives that are ministered to in this room. That NCC West building is going to minister for decades and decades and decades to the youth and children of this community. And those who planted seeds there are going to reap the harvest for forever. Literally eternal. But God's calling us to do things in property we've got behind the building and evangelism in this community and in the communities around us. But we can't do it if we don't have the body serving with us, giving us time and giving of their tithes and offerings to do what the Lord has called us to do. So 2 Corinthians 6 through 10 says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We're going to skip after that because I went a long time <laughs> talking about that other stuff. So we're going to jump to Luke. Luke sixteen ten through 13, Jesus said, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Again, this this stewardship applies to everything, not just finances. In 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2, it says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. I just want to point out real quick, and I'll, I'll try to speed up so we don't go too long. But... We try to be very good stewards of what God gives to NCC. From the elders to myself, you ask uh, Pastor Daryl or any of the the other staff, I'm very um, frugal. (laughs) My wife could could attest to that. Um, Back to that, it took a while, you know, to pry those hands open. But I don't believe in bad investments. Candy and I, like I said, the majority of what we give is to this house. We do support Young Life in our community. We support several other ministries nationwide, but but all of our ties and then the majority of our offerings come to NCC because we believe it's good soil. If I didn't think so, and then I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be leading it if I didn't. But 
but I wouldn't pour that in if I didn't believe we were getting a return out of it. And so uh, I mentioned, you know, we're debt-free. Right now, though, our generations campaign would have about $30,000. And that's great. I mean, that we've done all this and we're debt-free and we have some savings for what's next. But you can't build too big of a shed for $30,000. So, like, what God has for us next, like, we haven't even started. So when we, when we do a budget, we, for the last probably six years, our budget has been less than what we budgeted, what came in the year before. That's a better way to say it. So whatever came before, we're going to budget less than that because we're not going to assume anything. And we're going to make sure that we don't, we're not extravagant, we're doing exactly what we need to do, we need to do the ministries that God's called us to. Um, Everything that comes above and beyond that gets set aside and the elders would pray and seek the Lord and say, God, what would you have us do with this? Well, for the last few years, it's been, we're building a new building and we're doing it debt-free. So all that extra, even if it wasn't given to generations, it's going to pay that off. Same thing here. Well, now we're going into a new season. Now the seeds are going to be planted in evangelism. The seeds are going to be planted in reaching out to the communities around us and to the people in this community. We've started, we've had two outreaches, mental health outreaches, bringing in Christian counselors and psychologists into the community that we're paying for, that you've paid for, that you've planted seeds into, that are reaching and ministering to this community for their mental health, but doing it through Christ and spiritually. That's where the seeds are going. We're starting a a regeneration ministry that the foundation is being put in place today. Literally, Pastor Jeff, God put this on his heart, and they're launching the foundational meetings tomorrow. They're going to be setting that up, and it's going to be a community-wide outreach involving multiple churches and ministering to the entire community in areas of anger and uh, sexual issues, drug addiction. Um, I mean, just the list goes on and on and on. There's not anyone in this building this morning, including myself, who wouldn't benefit from attending that class and the Christian discipleship that's going to occur from it. But we're putting in a solid foundation. It's not going to launch till the third quarter of 2024 because that's the level of of doing it properly that it requires. But I want you to know we're planting those seeds now for a harvest next year. We know what God's calling us to do, and, and we're going out, and it's a kingdom purpose, and we want you to be part and with us. We want you to, to join and become members. We want to walk with you in discipleship. We want to walk with you in relationship. We want to serve by your side, and we want to give together, not just for what's happening in here, but for what God's doing in the community. We're starting a, this is another thing that the elders and this body has is agreed to sow into and put in the budget next year. I've gone for years to a pastor's conf- uh, meeting monthly in, in uh, Athens, Texas, and that group has poured into me as a pastor. We're starting one of those groups in Lampasas. I drive three hours to that group, and there's other guys that drive there from Colleen and uh, Brownwood to get there. Well, we're going to start one here. It's going to meet here in New Covenant Church. And we're going to, and, and I believe there's going to be pastors driving two and three and four hours from the surrounding areas to come here to be ministered to. But we're planting seeds in other churches and other pastors' lives because we want to see the kingdom successful, the whole thing. And we're inviting the other pastors of this community. It's not about, I said in the last service, I would much rather see every church in this community grow by 200 than this become a church of 2,000. 
We want the kingdom of God to succeed. We want the gospel to be proclaimed. And we're just doing what God's calling us to do. And if he's calling you to do it and walk with us, then please come and be a part. Like I said, I believe this is good soil. The last, the last thing that uh, I'll point out, and some of y'all may have gotten these on the way in. There's a little bracelet. Um, that's, it's called a Love Thy Neighbor bracelet. Y'all may have heard about it in the community. There's a young lady named Ashley Elizabeth. She's got a first name as a last name. Uh, but she started, a, uh, really, it was amazing to hear her heart. She came and spoke to the Ministerial Alliance. Uh, she started that Doolan Passus as a ministry to the community. She, she came and moved into the community a few years ago and saw Lampasas breaking news <laughs> and said, we, she was like, come on, Lampasas, we can do better. We can do better than that. And she said, this is a good community with good people. And she's like, we need something positive. And she started that ministry. Well, she hasn't taken any of the profits from that. She does other work on the side. And so she, with the, with the money that that ministry is uh, made bought 6,000 of these so that everybody in the whole community could have one. And she went to our mayor, Herb Pierce, and told him about it. And he has dedicated October 5th, not just this year, but every year to come as Love Thy Neighbor Day in Lampasas, Texas. Isn't that awesome? And she, got, she attends a community church, uh, Zach Morris's church, Zach, Zach Huckabee. Yeah, Zach Huckabee. Um, and, uh, yeah, Zach Morris would be surprised. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I'm going to wrap. I need to wrap it up. Um, <laughs> so get one of these on your way out. Wear it the rest of this week, for sure, on October 5th. Think about a way you could love your neighbor, that you could show them the love of Jesus Christ, that you could show them that it's different, it's better than the love that the world has. Uh, and, and remember to do it again next year. We'll, we will get reminded she plans on buying more than 6000 next year. Um, so it's not going to go away. This is just the beginning. But we want to partner with you. We want to partner with our fellow believers in the community, and we want to get the gospel out. Will you bow your head and close with me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're doing in our community. I thank you that we are seeing you move already in the lives of our youth and our children. Lord, I thank you that we're seeing you move uh, in new ways, in exciting ways in our body and throughout the body of Christ and then past us in the surrounding area. Father God, I just pray that, that you would put in our hearts, and I'm not just praying for new covenant. Every, every uh, house of worship in this community, Lord, that is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you would put on the hearts of your people to be good stewards. Lord, that we would steward our time well, that we would steward our giftings well, that we would steward our resources well, and that in every area we would give what's first and best to you. Father, I pray that our ears would be open to hear what your Holy Spirit is saying, that we would respond in any way that you are asking us to respond. Lord, I pray that, that the brothers and sisters in Christ in this place would walk together in discipleship relationships with one another. Father, we give you all glory, honor, and praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with us as we worship? And please, uh, take the opportunity. I said last week, uh, two weeks ago, God, God told me to, to go out for prayer in both services, and I did, and was blessed in both. This is for everybody. We all need 
someone to agree with us and walk with us in prayer. So if you have any need, anything at all that you need agreement in prayer, please avail yourself of that as we close in worship. Oh, what a Savior Isn't he wonderful Sing hallelujah Christ is We thank you for the victory won for us through Jesus Christ. Lord, from his birth through his life to his sacrificial death to his resurrection and ascension to heaven, Lord, that he is now, now in this moment seated at your right hand in victory, Lord. Lord, we thank you for everything that you have done. Lord, we thank you that you have literally created all things. Father, we ask that you give us wisdom and understanding from the Holy Spirit to be good stewards of everything 
from every gift and talent you've given us to every moment of time spent with every person that we encounter, to every resources you've placed in our hands. Father, I pray that we would have your wisdom to be good stewards. Lord, let the gospel be proclaimed. Let us be good stewards with our salvation, being disciples, proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We are dismissed. Uh, Be aware of those continuing to receive ministry. Uh, If you would like ministry, they'll continue.